Hello, and welcome to Fairfax 50 Plus, a series featuring discussions on issues of interest to residents 50 and over. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition, we'll be talking to Karen Hennigan, the supervisor of the county's Aging, Disabilities, and Caregiver Resource Line. That telephone number, by the way, in case you're interested, we'll go ahead and throw that out there, 703-324-7948. Karen's here to tell us about the resource line and also to discuss an issue you've probably heard about called hoarding. She'll help us answer the question, when is collecting stuff or saving things for later a problem? First, some background on Karen, though. She's a graduate of the University of Virginia, earned an MSW from Washington University. She's been a social worker for 25 years and part of that time worked for Adult Protective Services. And in her current position, she supervises and trains social workers. Recently, she presented on family financial exploitation of older adults at the Virginia's, uh, Virginia Governor's Conference on Aging. So that sounds like that was a, a big event and a fun time there. So welcome. Thanks for being with us. And first, tell us about this conference, this presentation. That sounds like a... Like a big deal. The one about the family financial yeah. exploitation. Yeah. You know, it's very easy out there and it's kind of uh, flashy these days to talk about uh, people, <laughs> lottery scams or mm. house scams where outsiders come in and try to take money from older adults. A lot right, of our older right. adults in Fairfax <clears throat> have uh, homes that are worth, are very valuable yeah, yeah. and they have some finances and uh, people know that, the bad guys, and they want to have access to that. But I'll tell you what the truth is. That's maybe 20 percent, 80 percent. It's inside families. Oh, my God. And so families wow. are asking for money from older adults and expecting basically to taking their inheritance before oh, wow, the yeah. older adult it, is done living. Right. Um, wow. And it get, But it gets very, very <laughs> complex mm. because there's emotions involved and a love between the, the quote-unquote bad guy and the good guy. So it doesn't, it's not helpful to put them in those categories. Sure. Me as a social worker, I have to deal with the entire family dynamic and the fact that, that the person who is being exploited also loves the person who's doing right. the exploiting. Right. So that gets super sticky and people start to uh, kind of lose interest when it's not clear black and white. Right, right. And it's those gray areas in which social workers work and wow. where I like to explore what's going on, usually only after I've had a lot of experience myself with it out in the field. And that's what I want to talk yeah. to you today about yeah. with hoarding, too, yeah, because absolutely. I've had so much experience yeah. with that. After I see it, I kind of think about it. I do research and then I come up with these papers and presentations. Yeah. So Definitely uh, an area or a, uh, a job, a career uh, that folks uh, probably don't know a whole lot about, maybe, and what what goes into it and the, and the, the pressure, I'm assuming, on social workers and the things you have to deal with. But before we get into hoarding, which is a huge topic in and of itself, uh, mention the Aging Disabilities and Caregiver Resource Line, 703-324-7948. Tell us just a little bit about that line. What What is it? What its purpose? That type Okay. Thing. That is, for Fairfax County residents, it is any, uh, it's, it's a one-stop shop where mm. you have access between eight and 4.30 to six social workers oh, wow. who, um, so not administrative folks, and it's a must-answer line. So someone will answer that. Maybe there'll be a short wait, but my wait periods are pretty pretty slim. And when you can call about anything that has to do with an older adult or even 18 to 59 who, with a disability wow. and you have concerns, any concerns about adult protective services, any concerns about long-term care and how do I pay for this, how do I keep someone out of a facility, 
Um, how do I keep from not going crazy while I'm taking care of my right. uh, per- or you can be you can be the older adult yourself. You can be a caregiver. Mm-hmm. You can be a neighbor and you have wow. a resource where we will have a little bit of knowledge about a whole lot of host mm-hmm. of things that are designed basically to keep our older adults safe happy and in the community do not we don't want them going into nursing homes or assisted Mm. livings and we want to take the stress level that families have in taking care of them down and your taxpayers dollars go to that and so why not call just to talk and um so adcr which is our acronym we have which stands for uh aging disability and caregiver resources okay um so that line operational from 8 to 4 30 is uh takes about twenty thousand calls per year. Wow. We also have a few walk-ins and people can get to us through the web. If you go yeah. to uh, the website and just tr- uh, Google Area Agency on Aging Fairfax County, you can find a link to, to our, uh, our, our, uh, our group in which you could be at three in the morning, ha- very, very stressed and type out a message to us and we'll get back to you the next day. Wow. So I want everybody to avail themselves of yeah. that resource. So that's again, 703-324-7948. And you mentioned a lot of the different types of calls that you get. Um, is there any one particular kind of call that's like the, the majority or predominant? Yeah. Our number one, I do stats every month, hmm. We're stat driven. And uh, the first, the number one every single month is called ADCR consult. That means you can call us not knowing what you need, mm. just that you're stressed and or, or concerned mm. or even just want to do advanced planning. So that is is that I don't have to uh, put you into a box and you don't have to know exactly what you want when you call. That's our number one. Number two is adult protective services. Mm. So that's when people have a concern that someone's being abused, neglected, or exploited, 18 and above and vulnerable. And then number three is our home-delivered meals, Meals on Wheels. Wow. Probably the fourth that that gets in there is um, home care. So when you need a home health aide to go out into right, the home, right. can't afford the private pay rates, what do I do? That's our fourth. Yeah. So as you're listening right now, just a, a gold mine, a wealth of information right there. Just remember that telephone number. Write it down. We'll repeat it again several times, 703-324-7948. I think you said like six trained social workers standing by ready to answer questions 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. I think we could do a whole show just on that and, and continue to talk about that, but I want to make sure we get into the, the big topic of hoarding because that, that is a, a big topic, huge topic. Some folks may think they know what it is. Some folks don't know what hoarding is. So I guess can we start with like the definition or, or what is hoarding when we when we hear that word? What does that mean? Okay. Um, well, May is, uh, for older adults, it is Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. So to focus on a mental health um, issue, just one, because there's, there's many, um, we're choosing hoarding for, for this month. And um, is it a word that's being used very often now in society, kind of thrown around easily. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that, that I believe is a lot to do with the shows that are on TV. And many people may see right, these hoarding right, shows. Right. I've only watched 10 minutes of one show. So almost, almost as if, if you know too much about what it's really like, <laughs> right. you don't want to watch <laughs> you don't want the, the reality show. show yeah. I don't know. Cause it doesn't seem as real. Um, and I had mixed feelings about that 
that show, these shows that are on there, because it feels like it takes a, a mental illness, and I'm a therapist, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so uh, it takes a, a disorder, and it makes money off of it, kind of shows right, it right, out, right. and um, but there's been some interesting, what has come from those shows has been interesting, and I'll let you, you all know, but so hoarding is a word that's being used, I think, overused right now in okay. our society, okay. underused probably 20 years ago when I was first in the field. Yeah, we I didn't know what it was. Well, I don't know that I've ever heard it, you know, until recently. Yeah, and I walked into homes, and I saw it 20 years ago. There's no word for it. Mm. It's just like, whoa, I'm, I'm a, overwhelmed. I'm a, col- I'm a collector. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and so when you do something for a, a long time, your gut kind of know, it knows when you walk in, this is, this is real or this is just someone who's having a hard time cleaning up but really wants to clean up. Mm. Hoarding's different. You ask me what's the difference. Yeah. There's an emotional content, a heavy um, emotional content to getting rid of anything. Mm. And there is a, a uh, emotional content to having to acquire excessive items. It's not just I no longer can, can clean or I grew up in the depression. That actually has nothing to do with hoarding disorder. Mm. Um, it is, so it's not societally based. It is, it is a compulsion. Okay. That people may have had their whole lives, and oftentimes what triggers it and why older adults, why I'm here as a geriatric clinical social worker more than someone else would be, is that uh, people probably carried around this disorder their whole lives. However, they were either stopped by people in their lives who would tell them, no, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And so it was limited, and then those people may die, go away, mm-hmm. and so then the accumulation becomes excessive. Right. And or there's a trauma in their lives, for perhaps the death of a spouse okay. or some, some trauma that makes what was already present more vigorous in their lives. And, okay. and this disorder, this mental health disorder, is incredibly visible if you visit their living quarters, and right, it affects right, right. the people around them. So that's why it gets into the social work world. Okay. It is. It, it, Typically, and why I, as a government worker who handles adult protective services uh, cases and have in the past, maybe has more experience with this mental health disorder than someone in the private practice who Mm. would do depression or anxiety that people willingly go to get treated for. Hoarding comes to light because neighbors see a problem or family members see a problem or oftentimes EMTs, emergency technicians, go in and um, are at risk when they're trying to pull someone out of these these places, and then they get reported to, quote-unquote, the authorities. Mm-hmm. And social workers are part of that. I'm on the hoarding task force which okay. is here in Fairfax, county, which was the, the first county, one county in the county nation. Okay, yeah. well, county task force. And it has code enforcement on it and animal control and attorneys and us. And so it becomes a community. This mental health disorder becomes a community concern. My piece of it, though, is my interest is the clinical piece of it. Um, and so if, if you want to, if you want me to, I'll tell you some stories. Well, yeah, uh, get to that in just a minute. But I want to ask you a couple of questions while I while I'm, can remember them. You mentioned a couple of um, uh, like a trigger or whatever, and it's mostly in older adults. Is it also a factor that maybe an older adult, they have retired from work, they have more free time? Is that a part of it? 
Um, to do the excessive accumulation. Yeah. I think Because you had, said, you know, you had maybe they had a spouse that was with them. And right. Maybe they were active and maybe, I don't know, I was just trying to think, maybe they had more time on their hands or something. Typically, typically I would say it's less time and more that the support system crumbles. I gotcha. So we have people, and oftentimes people with hoarding disorder are highly intelligent. Mm. Their IQ is very intact. Mm. So what they are is they go into certain professions, too. Librarians mm-hmm. are often uh, professors. Hmm. Um, very, they're, they're professional. So they're – and they could hoard animals. Right. They could hoard yeah. things. So we actually see it all throughout life. It is the support system, the people, because what's going on is their frontal lobe, a certain part of the brain – is not working the same way yours or eyes, okay. mine or yours. Interesting, would. interesting. And so that part of the brain isn't working properly. When they have a loved one or someone they're living with or someone around them who's part of that brain, the frontal lobe, the executive functioning, is working properly, that person says, oh, no, I'm not having it. <laughs> right. You know, so they basically serve as their frontal lobe. Gotcha. They borrow right. the people. And so when I go in and all that support has crumbled and, it's, and therefore the accumulation has, has just gone out of control – um, in part, I have to be that executive functioning, gotcha. you know, and gotcha. help help with that because what they have found with this disorder most recently, within the last, say, six or seven years, is they've done PET scans. So they have a brain that has obsessive-compulsive disorder. This used to be thought of, hoarding, as a subset of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Hmm. And so in the catalog of mental health disorders, before May of 2013, they thought, mm, all right, this is like a piece of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. After a bunch of research, uh, a lot of which is going on in Boston, they did PET scans and they found out that a certain part of the brain, very close to the obsessive compulsive part, but not exactly the same, will light up, kind of boil in those with hoarding disorder. Mm. And so they realize it's, it's, it's very close to the same part, but right, it is, right. but it's not exactly the same. So for you and I to throw away, say, the cap to a soda bottle is easy. For someone with, with hoarding disorder, it is difficult. They attach an emotional piece to this mm. to this item and that I can explain a little bit that, more. That bottle when yeah. I went to the baseball game and there's something, there's a story or whatever. There's yeah. a story yeah. and it's emotional and also these people, people with this disorder tend to be highly creative human beings. Mm. Very, very creative. Okay. So whereas I would say, hey, what can you do with this bottle cap? Now that it's used, you took it off your Coke and you drank it, but you still have the bottle cap. What could you do with it? You'd come up with four or five things. They would come up with 45 to 50. Wow. Different things that could possibly happen to that bottle cap. Therefore, I better not get rid of that bottle cap (laughs) because what if I need it? Right. It's it's interesting. All right. We're talking uh, about hoarding uh, right now with Karen Hennigan. She's the supervisor of the county's Aging Disabilities and Caregiver Resource Line. And I said I'm going to throw that number out there a few more times. So, uh, again, that's 703-324-7948. So, uh, as uh, Karen mentioned, one of the top calls is not really knowing what you need or where to go. So if you maybe if you have questions about hoarding or that kind of thing, you can call here. But there's also a county uh, task force on, on hoarding as well. Should they go if people have have concerns about hoarding or neighbors or whatever? Should they go through the uh, Aging Disability and Caregiver Resource Line? Is that a good one-stop shop or is there another? 
you could, preferred method. They could definitely start there or um, call code enforcement. I'm sorry, I don't have the phone That's number. Fine. It's easily Googled. Code enforcement, code enforcement. Uh, has a hotline as well. Okay. And we work together. And often it has to start with code. Um, I was on a task force once with the code enforcement uh, officers for six months. We were reassigned to get into compliance. That's a code enforcement wor word. Any report of hoarding that was in the county. Um, it's actually a different county. It wasn't this county. And it was after 9-11. And it was, there was just this thought process. We have to get these folks in compliance because right. our first responders are in danger mm -hmm. uh, with sometimes with the level of hoarding. Right. So for six months, I was reassigned to watch as code enforcement knocked on the door of mm -hmm. people with the disorder. And what we found after doing that was it was very it wasn't very helpful to have the clinician, which is my piece of it, uh, standing there with code enforcement. So as you were asking what, what number to call first, it is important to have code go in first and to say this either meets right. you know, uh, Fairfax County's code uh, or it does not so, and yeah. write them up. Right. And they need to be written up because nothing will change without that write-up. But then that after they... starts the trigger, the ball rolling of actions. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost as if the code becomes their frontal lobe. It becomes... Gotcha. It, the code says, all right, that's it. Can't have it. We have community norms and standards, and this, there's too much risk here. Gotcha. Something has to change. Okay. Have it be, having your, your quote-unquote therapist come in at the same time, <laughs> right. they don't have any interest in talking to right, me. Right. So you have to come in later and okay. discuss things after the crisis. Okay. Crisis is, is, is helpful. Crisis can make things. In uh, Chinese, I think the symbol, the word crisis, there's a symbol, and it's, um, it's danger and opportunity. Gotcha. So right. this is what starts the ball rolling. It's not a cruel thing to, to do mm. uh, as long as we do it well. And I think our task force does. Right. Code enforcement, by the way, gets trained by me and they get uh, I get trained by them. So okay. we have a nice cohesive way of working okay. with people good. with this disorder. All right. Karen, we've only got about two minutes left. Okay. So I want to be quick on the last two questions that I have, and then we'll throw it back to you for final thoughts. But uh, a very simple question, and hopefully uh, uh, you can boil down the answer. Um, why? Why do people hoard? Um, it is, it is, uh, they, they do say it's biopsychosocial, but there's a lot of bio uh, what? Bi <laughs> sorry, sorry, biopsychosocial, <laughs> biology, psychology, and social conditions. You're over my head. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably everyone. Bi biology, psychology, and uh, social conditions. But uh, this, this disorder is looking like it's heavily biology. So people are born with a brain that is going to be pre disposed to this disorder. Interesting. Okay. And then whether it expresses itself has to do with trauma that they do not experience or do experience mm. and heavily regarding the support around them. Gotcha. So it's all three things. Okay. Very but, good. but you're probably born with a predisposition towards this. Very good. I like that. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, quickly, you mentioned you had several stories, lots of stories you could tell. Is there one story you could kind of quickly uh, kind of wrap up the show with? Well, I'm going to, let me see if I can throw in two. One is, one is a, just a general thought process. I'm going to tell you what happens emotionally with people with hoarding disorder when, okay. when code goes in. There, this is the pattern. The do they answer the door. Code enforcement says this has to be. They try, the, everyone tries to b borrow, get more time, mm -hmm. uh, push them away. Sometimes say they're going to call their lawyer. Uh, but once they, they accept that this is going to have to be the case, 
then usually a third party has to come in. There are many decluttering agencies. Hmm. Uh, people with hoarding disorder often hoard money, too, so they have money, so they oh, can wow. use it to solve this problem. They get the declutterers in. It is a very traumatic experience for them. There's three piles that are set up. One is keep, one is donate, and one is throw away. Hmm. There's a battle about each (laughs) item. The declutterers are very experienced in how to handle it. Um, Usually at about day two, two and a half, there's an absolute meltdown, (laughs) screaming and yelling that happens. We get them through that. And then once they're cleaned up, everybody with this disorder, once the home is cleaned up, they actually say thank you. Hmm. They say two things. Thank you. I could never have done that on my own. Sure. And the second thing is I never want you to come back. Right, right. And usually they start reacquiring. I'm going to tell you that's what happens. And when we say, would you like to go into therapy, and there's therapeutic uh, courses that they can go through, a 14-week course, uh, nobody takes me up on the offer. But one final thing I want to say that's positive. Sure, sure. And that is I've never seen this before in 20, 25 years of working with this disorder and with older adults, but maybe because of the shows, maybe because of, of luck, I had two women come up. Uh, about six months ago to the ADCR area. There's walk-ins that can happen. There were two ladies. They were in a neighborhood. They were both retired. They're both dude walking on the same path for exercise. Mm. They found each other, and one they both had hoarding disorder. <laughs> and one had gotten treatment and one hadn't. Oh, and wow. what is very fascinating, and they knew to call it hoarding, And they didn't feel shame, and I think that's a large part of this disorder. But But now that it's out in the open and these shows, uh, they felt less shame. And uh, the one woman came up and said, I have this problem. All of us in code, all of us in the therapy uh, world were just, that is the first client we've ever had who came in and said, this is me. Usually (laughs) we have to try to convince them. And um, this is the final point. It's kind of interesting. The two women are incredibly helpful to each other because what research shows is that a person with hoarding disorder can very easily help another person uh, throw their things away. They're actually hyper-organized, very intelligent folks. They just can't do their own things because they're (laughs) emotional. So the two can help each other clean up each other's things. Anyway, that was a nice story. Absolutely. Amazing that somebody has that self-awareness because a lot of this disorder, they don't have the self-awareness. And that ADCR that Karen mentioned was Aging Disabilities and Caregiver Resource. And we're talking about the telephone line 703-324-7948. So any questions, call that number. Again, if specific about hoarding, you can, uh, I don't have the telephone number right in front of me, but you can Google Fairfax County Code Enforcement and get the telephone number and go there and Karen, thanks so much for uh, for being with okay. us on this Fairfax 50 Plus podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, again, Karen Hennigan, Aging, Disability, and Caregiver Resource Line here with us talking about the issue of hoarding. And again, if this is a problem for you or someone you know, you can call the resource line at 703-324-7948, the TTY number 711. And that's Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Social workers who staff this line can also help you with other issues and direct you to the services and recreational programs that you are looking for or that you may not even know exist. So a great resource there. Also, you can go online, visit uh, www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash olderadults. When you're on there, be sure to subscribe to the monthly Golden Gazette newspaper as well as Fairfax 50 Plus e-news. And you'll also find a link on that page to the Fairfax 50 Plus Facebook page. So be sure to like that page so that you'll uh, be sure to receive more updates. Thanks again for listening to the Fairfax 50 Plus podcast, which is produced twice monthly by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. Thanks for listening.